Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. All said in jest, but so, so true. Because if God abandons us, we are going to be in a big mess. Well, folk, we're dealing with the model of prayer that Jesus gave uh, after his disciples had taught, uh, had asked him to teach us to pray, and how to live out the Lord's Prayer on a daily basis, to, as has been reminded of the last two weeks and even this morning, to stop and to pray, to, to actually ask God to do something and to do it uh, while we are still thinking and have that need right now. And so, Remember, just before uh, this prayer, uh, Jesus explains, this is how you should not pray. Stand on the street corners and babble, but this is how you should pray. I wonder if we, should, uh, if we can um, uh, read the Lord's Prayer together. Uh, I'll start off and let's uh, read together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so, folk, today I want to deal with uh, your kingdom come, your will be done. The word uh, kingdom uh, is a noun which becomes the subject, and I'll stop there. The word come is actually the verb here, and it's very similar to what we spoke about last week, where uh, hallowed be your name. And so that verb, hallowed, uh, is in the very next verse as well uh, on the concept of come. And so in the original, it's come your kingdom, come your kingdom. And so uh, it's not a, 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 a statement, but rather a petition, a prayer that Jesus teaches you and me. And as we begin to realize how amazing this prayer and this request is, we begin to see that this prayer uh, basically sums up the purpose of God on this earth. And uh, the purpose of God in this world, because as Jesus teaches us to pray, we begin to ask certain questions, questions like, why did Jesus come into the world? Well, Jesus gives us this prayer that helps us to answer that question. Uh, questions like, what is the relationship of the Old and the New Testament when it comes to things like praying that his name be hallowed and praying that his kingdom come on this earth? What is the function of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ? What is your function? What is my function? And what is God doing in the world today? Has he created the heavens and the earth and then abandoned us and left us alone? I think absolutely not. That he dwells within our hearts and he dwells in the world right near, right now. Or else we're wasting our time by praying that his name be hallowed if he is our father but also that his kingdom will come when it uh, will never happen. And so this prayer is at the heart of the message of the Scriptures. If we were to read the Gospels, it makes it very, very clear. 
especially in the, the first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and how we see how central uh, the kingdom of God is to the message of the Bible from Genesis right through to Revelation. Remember in Matthew 4, 23, Matthew introduces Jesus' public ministry, and, and he says, Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching. In other words, instructing people in their synagogues, preaching, that we're preaching, heralding, proclaiming what? The good news, beautiful word there, evangelion, ev, good, angelion, message, angel, we get the English word angel, uh, which is a messenger, so it's a good message about the kingdom of God, about the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, about his, soul, uh, his um, death on the cross for our salvation. And so what did Jesus do? He went around teaching in the synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Speaking about the kingdom of God and saying this is what the kingdom of God is like. We also read uh, in Matthew 4, 17, from the time of Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is near. And so he was saying, listen, repent. And the word repent there, metanio, change your mind. Meta, after, change your nous, change your thinking. You used to do it a certain way. Now the kingdom of God has come and is coming Begin to think differently because the kingdom of God is with us now. No wonder we pray, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Also in, in 4.43 in the gospel of Luke, I I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns also because that is why I was sent. Jesus came to proclaim, to instruct, to preach, to teach about the kingdom of God. We carry on and we begin to see what, what this is all about uh, when it comes to the, the goal of every believer, where, where Jesus uh, tells us that we are to seek his kingdom first and his righteousness in Matthew 6.33. The word seek there is such a beautiful word. It's the word ziteo, which means... It's not a boy's look. <laughs> Seek in order to find. When uh, you'll hear our son Michael you know, shout every now and again, Mom, where's my top? And Marie will say, have a proper look. Only Michael does that in our house. I don't do it. <laughs> Maria, where's my shorts? Have a proper look. Don't have a boy's look. Seek in order to find. Seek in order to find with intention, with purpose, with mission about the kingdom of God. Why? Because he wants us to seek in order to find. He doesn't want us to just be blasé about it. Seek first his righteousness with reference to things of the kingdom of God. We carry on and, and we realize that you know, after Jesus uh, had died and had risen from the dead. Before he ascended, he spent time on earth for 40 days uh, with the people. And in Acts 1-3, Jesus says, he, he, Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God. He spoke about the kingdom of God. 
We know that the early church, we read in Acts chapter 8, verse 12, they, they proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God. Paul goes to the church in Ephesus, and uh, he, he, he spe- we, we read about in Acts chapter 19, verse 8, he was arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. We read about it again uh, later on, where he goes to Rome, uh, and, and is about to be beheaded in Acts chapter 28. He, for two years, he spent time boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the the Lord Jesus Christ. He expounded the scriptures to them. He let them know what what the Old Testament had said and how that applies in in our present day and age. He was able to, to speak about the heart of the gospel, and that's the kingdom of God. Matthew uses the expression kingdom of heaven rather than kingdom of God because the word God was not uh, to be used with reference to the Jewish context and the Jewish culture. And, and uh, Matthew, being a tax collector, a Jew by profession, writes to a Jewish audience and does not use the word God. In fact, to this day, you won't find Jewish people write out the name God. They will put G underscore D because God's name is too holy to be put down or written down. And so he writes and he speaks about the kingdom of heaven. Over 30 times you read that. But folk, in the rest of the the, the Gospels, we, we read the kingdom of God is expressed 65 times. And so it, it is something uh, that is serious. So what does that mean? Well, it, in the original, uh, it's important to understand what a root word is. And so we see king... Uh, kingdom and reign have the same root word. In other words, in the, the kingdom of God, the vasilia, there is a vasilias, a king. And he vasilefs. That all sounds Greek to you. But they're very, very similar because it is, there is a king that reigns in his kingdom and he has his rules and regulations. And I don't know how to explain this uh, sort of today, but perhaps, you know, uh, if you were to be in the city of Fremantle, uh, the mayor there is the one who is in charge uh, with his council, and they set the rules and regulations. And so as you uh, go into the kingdom of Fremantle, the mayor who is king has set those rules into place, and you, you, if you want to stay safe in the kingdom of Fremantle, if you like, uh, then you abide by its rules and regulations. And parking is way too expensive. <laughs> and so you, 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 you abide by the kingdom and the pattern that has been set out according to that particular kingdom. And so uh, let me share with you a few points on, on what the kingdom of God is all about. I think, firstly, that it's got to do with the sovereign rule of God as king of the entire universe. And uh, you, you know how, how God is king uh, that um, is from Genesis to Revelation and his reign will come to pass. Remember in Genesis, he said, let there be, and he spoke creation into being. And that's what happened. There it is. It's right there before us. And so um, right in the beginning, there was nothing else and God spoke it into to being. But friends, it's more than that. 
Because one day God will allow his kingdom to come and he will reign forever and ever as king in his kingdom. But secondly, there is this absolute promised assurance of God over his people, over you and over me. He is one who makes the promise in his word, and as we abide by his promise, it's not a fickle promise, it's not a spasmodic promise. I don't know what those words mean, but they sound good. It's a promise that is is spoken by the creator of the universe, and they are amen and amen, because they are written by the or spoken by the creator of the universe. And so God speaks them, and we are his children. When our little boy was growing up, you know, if he'd say, uh, Dad, uh, I, I need a Tim Tam. <laughs> no, I want a Tim Tam. No, son, not now. We can have one after dinner. Hopefully he'll forget. I promise you, son, you can have one after dinner. He would remind me. Why? Because his dad made a promise. And his dad needs to keep that promise. Now, friends, I'd say, oh, no, son, it's too late, and we're trying to distract him, and hopefully he'll fall asleep. Listen, when our Father in heaven makes a promise, it's amen and amen. It's for you and for me to hold on to. Why? Because it is God who spoke it. And you'll remember, you know, that God um, spoke to the people of Israel. They were just people as slaves. Uh, under the Egyptians. And God calls them Israel, the meaning uh, my people with my power. Power of, sorry, the, the people of God with the power of God. Why? Because it's got to do with the kingdom of God and how God rules and reigns. And so Jesus came in Matthew 3, verses 1 and 2, and, and we read he came preaching. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. John the Baptist uh, ushered in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what did he do? He came preaching about the kingdom of God. And friends, you think, well, you know, would they have known about it? Well, the assumption is that those people that, that John the Baptist and certainly Jesus preached to about the kingdom of God would have known about the concept of the kingdom of God. Why? Because it was spoken of a lot in the Old Testament. Although those words don't appear in the Old Testament, the concept appears. That's very interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, uh, we, we read a little bit about it, about the lords, you know, he, that possessive language that these people are the lords. We read about it heaps in, in the Psalms. Although the expression of kingdom of God is unknown, we know that the concept is there. And so God was working out his plan in the Old Testament, a plan and a purpose that would bring his people together so he can reign as king in his kingdom. Can I say to you, when we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, we are uh, Basically saying, God, your purpose and your plan, may it happen the way you wanted it to happen. And folk, what is that plan? Well, the plan is as early as Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. We call that the prot 
Evangelium. And Genesis 3.15, basically uh, the setting is in the Garden of Eden, and uh, we know that Adam and Eve messed up there, and, and God promises that the seed of the woman will crush the head of Satan. Already there is the promise there that somebody will come and Satan will be uh, crushed. Satan will be broken and destroyed. Why? Because God promised that. A few chapters later in Genesis chapter 12 verses 2 and 3, we read about that Abrahamic covenant, that Abrahamic promise that, that God says, Abraham, leave your place and go out because uh, I will make you a blessing, and whoever is with you and supports you will be blessed. And so he says, I want you to go to every tribe, kindred, and nation. And folks, that Abrahamic promise, uh, each time we share about the kingdom of God or tell our story, you know, we can take it as far back as the Abrahamic promise or the Abrahamic covenant that God makes to the people. And it's very active and very uh, relevant in the New Testament. After that, we, we read about uh, Pentecost, where uh, so many people get converted. Jewish people come to faith, and that's related to that Abrahamic covenant. In fact, in Acts chapter uh, 3, verse 25, we read about 5,000 coming to faith. And as we prayed this morning that... Uh, you know, that the stadiums will be filled and that revival will come. It goes back to that promise that God made. So we're not wasting our time when we're praying that. When we're praying for revival, it's got to do with that, that promise that was made in Genesis 3.15 and in, Abraham, uh, and in uh, Genesis 12 verses 2 and 3 that God will allow that His rule and reign to come from every tribe, kindred, and nation. And folk, what a small thing it will be to allow uh, God's people to come and fill this place up. It's such a small thing. So when we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, you know, we're saying, Lord, here, but even to the ends of the earth. What a blessing. What a promise God gives us. Remember, uh, Paul speaks about it in Galatians 3.29. If you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed. That word seed is the word sperma which means his offspring. And we are, we are his seed, Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. We are inheritors, heirs, according to the promise. Which promise? The promise that was made right in the beginning. In Genesis chapter 12. That good news of every tribe, kindred, and nation. That announcement, that message that promise that was made. And so, right from the beginning, in Genesis to the closing chapters of the book of Revelation, we find. And folk, there were times where we thought, this is not going to happen. Moses messed up. He ignored what God said. And so we thought, oh goodness, it's not really going to come to pass. But folk, there's an amazing uh, story there that all through Genesis we think, oh, God has missed this one or missed this one. He hasn't really got it right. But there's such a beautiful uh, verse in, in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, where, you know, all the trauma that Joseph has gone through where his brothers sell him and they, and they try and kill him and throw him into a pit. And then he, he gets taken off into this foreign land. And, you know, when he sees his brothers... 
Not coincidentally, might I add, when he sees his brothers, you remember Genesis 50, 20. You guys thought it for bad, but God turned it for good. And that word bad or harm is the word trouble, calamity, evil, bad, mischief. But God intended it for good. God intended it for something beautiful, for the best, for something kind and pleasant and something that will be joyful. So when we pray, thy kingdom come, and, you know, we kind of, things get bad, hang in there. Hang in there. Because God's will will be done. What other people intended it as to harm us or anybody else, God will turn it into something good and beautiful. And so we continue to pray. Folks, the story ends beautifully. In Revelation chapter 11, verse 15, where it says, The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. He will reign forever and ever. Thirdly, God's uh, intention is to utterly destroy Satan's uh, power on this earth. I mentioned it in... Genesis 3.15, that prot-evangelium, where, where the seed of a woman will crush the head uh, of the evil one. And we read about it uh, in Colossians 2.15, where it talks about, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them and triumphing over them by the cross. In other words, what Jesus accomplished on the cross, not only his death, but his resurrection, his triumph, uh, not only over death, but also over the evil one. So if you and I are in Christ, we are more than conquerors, according to Romans 8.37. Why? Because Satan's head has been crushed. Everybody thought when Jesus said, it is finished, you know, uh, he, he was basically saying, you'll get some uh, psychologists who will uh, basically... Uh, I went to a Christian seminar a few years ago where, where there was uh, these Christian psychologists, and one of them was actually saying, when Jesus on the cross in uh, John chapter 19, verse 30 said, it is finished, he was actually saying, you know, I am finished. And that's why I hung his head and died. I'm finished, I'm depleted, there's nothing left in me. You know, I've lost the battle, I'm a loser, I need help, capital L. No, he never said that. He said, it is finished, teteleste. It is complete. It is perfect. That's what he said. It is perfect. Mission accomplished. In other words, uh, I've triumphed. Triumphed over the evil one. God, the promise that was made in Genesis 3.15 has been accomplished. It's not a mess. And so this prayer, friends, is a request for you and for me to pray. That, that you know, the Holy Spirit comes upon us and, and we, we ask for the kingdom of God to come. To come in our direction. That the kingdom of God falls upon us and, and toward us so we can reflect who Jesus Christ is in the world. And so... The kingdom has come. But can I also say uh, it perhaps has not come because we still want to bring it to absolute completion through the Great Commission.
And then, fourthly, we, we see the kingdom of God is not yet complete. It's not yet complete. Why? Because we, as Christians, uh, live uh, between th these two ages. The, the age that Jesus accomplished what he promised to do on the cross, but also uh, between the age of his second coming as well. And so we read in Hebrews uh, chapter 1, verse 2, that we live in the last days. Uh, and, and that time is now, but it's also not yet. The last days is now, but also not yet. Remember the, the Gadarene demoniacs in, in Matthew 8, 29? Uh, you know, what do you want with us, son of God, they shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? They were shouting that out to Jesus because they knew the victory had come. The, the decisive battle has been won. We're about to celebrate the victory. And so you and I live in this uh, time or this arena of conflict, uh, you know, where we are in Christ uh, because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. And the curse of S-I-N, sin, is done away with. It's blotted out because of what Jesus did on the cross. But we will still commit S-I-N-S sins. And Don Francisco sings that beautiful song. There's a war within my heart. It's tearing me apart. A war between two kingdoms and two masters. One of them must win. The other must give in. Jesus must be Lord of all. And so do we struggle? Absolutely. But the curse of S-I-N is done away with. And when we stumble and fall, we can come back to him and say, God, may your kingdom come in my life. May your will be done. Paul said it in Romans seven fourteen. What I do is not the good I want to do. No, the, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord, to get it right. And so this request, this prayer, uh, you know, speaks about the ultimate triumph of Jesus. It speaks about the defeat of Satan. It speaks about this ongoing struggle for you uh, and for me in our lives. But it also speaks about the amazing kingdom of God. No wonder, you know, we're able to uh, abide by that beautiful great commission to go and make disciples of all nations. Why? Because he is king. Jesus is king, and he uh, is king in the kingdom, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and he will reign in our lives, in this stadium, and even to the ends of the earth. And that's what it means to pray the Lord's Prayer. It's living it out on a daily basis to stop and to pray, or else the Great Commission is null and void, but it creates a hope in our lives, it creates a hope in our hearts. We can hold on to that promise uh, that was uh, beautifully um, written in Psalm 2 verse 8, which says, ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your promise. God is saying, ask of me and I will give you the nations, nations from every tribe, kindred, and background, they will come and they will be among us as men and women of God. They'll be followers. One day, we'll be able to say with absolute boldness and witness that his enemies have been made his footstool, according to Psalm 110. And so in closing, 
Let me end off by just mentioning these things. Why do we pray, the, uh, you know, uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done? Well, because it's necessary and it helps us to focus that God is at work. That that uh, child that has run away from the things of God, that colleague at work that is, you know, just rebellious and, and makes a mockery of our, you know, who we are as men and women of God. Listen, uh, we need to focus that God's kingdom will come despite their disobedience, despite their rebellion. God's kingdom will come. But also our prayers uh, need to include the coming of the kingdom. That folk, it's too small a thing for God to just bless you and me. He wants to bless the nations of the world. And when we pray, thy kingdom come, we are to look up and see that the fields are white unto harvest. That God wants to bring the nations in. But it's also, it's a test of our character. Do we really believe it? Is this part of the model prayer that we're praying out and expecting the kingdom of God to come. But beautifully, it allows my will and God's will to run parallel. Let me rephrase. It allows God's will and my will to run parallel because I begin to see His will coming to fruition as I pray, as I step out, and pray his kingdom to come. It also allows us to look at this beautiful um, zeal for, for missions. This desire that God wants his kingdom to come. That he wants his will to be done in, in this world that we live in. He wants his plan and purpose. And folks, can I add uh, another point there? It allows us to enter the future with hope. With hope. And the word hope is, 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 a, is a profound Greek word. It's the word elpis, which actually means if I hope for something, I start taking steps to put it into action. If I want my son to pass at the end of the year and I encourage him, son, you need to do well, I need to participate in his well-doing. If I uh, want something to happen, then I participate with the hope, el peace, that it comes to fruition. So when we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, then we're praying, Lord, may your kingdom come right now. And I'm prepared to stop and pray that your kingdom comes. I'm prepared to live out this model prayer on a daily basis. Not only for August but Lord, while I'm alive in your kingdom, may I pray that prayer. May I put it into action. Why? Because you are a God who is alive and well. You're a God that is great and longs for the nations of the world to come and see your holy name. I love uh, what I read in, in uh, Brian Harden's book, Sneezing Jesus, How God Redeems Our Humanity. And continually it says, Jesus described the kingdom in terms that one can't point to and identify specifically. But in every story, the kingdom was the essential piece. 
The kingdom is mixed and is present already. It's like leaven in a loaf of bread. A person can't find the leaven after the loaf is baked. But the loaf could be completely deflated and radically different if the leaven were missing. If the yeast was missing, it would be flat like a pancake. The kingdom is like a tiny mustard seed that sprouts into a giant bush. Someone couldn't find the original mustard seed after the bush has gone. But birds could not nest in the branches were it not for the seed. The kingdom of God is, is not coming in ways that you can observe, Jesus said. No one will be able to say, look, here it is, or it's over there. The kingdom of God is already within and among you. These words are such a colossal paradigm shift, an upside-down way of looking at an inside-out world. And they are as disruptive now as they were spoken. Jesus was telling the people then, and he's telling you and me now, that we won't be able to identify the kingdom geographically or point it out in any one singular event. Even though the fullness of the kingdom is not yet realized, the kingdom has already begun. And we are a vital part of that realization. It's everywhere and it's now. It is within us and among us and worth losing all we have to gain it. And so, folk, there's somebody that you're concerned about, somebody you need to pray for, somebody or a situation that, it has you, that seems uh, so chaotic that will never, ever come right, you think. Listen, God is working, and God is busy doing something. So when we pray, we are sowing those seeds for the kingdom of God to come. And don't lose faith, because God is at work. God is busy doing something. I'm reading this amazing book that God works during the night shift. When we think that, that, you know, God, while we're sleeping, God also goes to sleep. No, God is working the night shift for his kingdom to come, for his will to be done. So we can take hope in that, that God is busy doing something. What a prayer to pray. That gives us zeal. It gives us hope that God is busy doing it. Let's stop and pray that God's kingdom will come and his will will be done. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word to our hearts. Lord, we acknowledge that it's not by might nor by power, but only by your Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, we pray that your kingdom will come, that your will will be done. And Lord, use us, use us, Lord, to accomplish your purpose of that great message through your word. Lord, we acknowledge that we are weak without you and we need you every moment of the day. Please come, Lord Jesus. And may your kingdom come. In Jesus' name, amen.